1: With Christ now, He's in our hearts, and so that should be pleasure enough that God is in us. Okay, because the more you realize that you have this relationship with God, and your pleasures is focused towards in God and it's in your heart, the things in the world doesn't matter. And if you don't have it, who cares? <laughs> I have Jesus. I have great pleasure in loving Him and serving Him forever. However, we do need to choose between the love of pleasure and the love of God.
0: When Jesus walked the earth, he said that he came to give life and life abundantly. There are so many things in the Christian walk that will satisfy us and give us a life of pleasure. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be encouraging us to hold on to the pleasures that we have in Christ and not the world. We know that Christ is in our hearts. We should live feeling fulfilled, knowing that Christ is closer than our very skin. He lives inside of us. Well, Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, as he continues his message, Perilous Times and Perilous Men. I
2: and
1: the word slanderer, it's an interesting word in the Greek, is the Greek word diabolos. And what does that sounds like? In Spanish, diablo. <laughs> okay? It means to accuse falsely, attacking the reputation of another. That's what that means. By the way, if you look up the Greek word, if you have the Greek lexicon or that you know, Bible software where you, you, know, you put the mouse and you highlight over the word, and if you look at the word, the Greek word for devil, you know what word you're going to get? Diabolos. The same word, the same Greek word. It's the same Greek word in the Greek. So in the Greek, slanderer and devil is the same word in the Greek, and it has the same meaning. But when it comes to the devil, he's a slanderer. He's an adversary. He's the adversary. So let me tell you, this is important because where it all started in the garden, it was the tongue of the serpent, right? That's why Jesus said to to the Pharisees, it says, you you know, you are the devil, the liar. He's the father of all lies. We need to be careful. You have a problem with someone. Don't try to you know, corral people and say, "Listen, you know I have a problem with this guy." and you know, yeah,, yeah did he do that with you too?" Oh yeah, yeah. yeah." And, and all of a sudden now you, you, you're slandering the person, when That that's that issues between you and that person. We need to be careful. It gets worse, 12 without control. That's the 12th characteristic of a perilous man. It's without self-control. They are men of uncontrolled passions. And in the inability to deal with temptations, lack, a complete lack of restraint. It gets even worse. And you notice how Paul. This is the reason why the the scripture is inspired by God, because you see how it just the chain reaction it just keeps getting worse. And the thirteenth characteristic of a perilous man is brutal, and brutal is typically in that time was the word was used in those days in ancient day for to describe a wild animal, a wild beast, and they're savage, they're untamed, the opposite of being civilized. The 14 characteristics, of course, you do all these things, you can despise what's good. So despisers of good. And they're haters of whatever or whoever is good. They hate anything that's good, anything that's godly, is not, even for the, the young generation, it's not cool to be good and godly. Can you imagine the peer pressure of the teenagers today? We see that in the world. You know, now having a biological mother and a biological father makes a kid go to school. All your parents parents are not cool. They're old fashioned. That's 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 what we're living in today. That's the world we're living in. And so we see that in the world. Anything that's good. Remember what Jesus said. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. They don't hate you because of your hairstyle and the way you dress. It has nothing to do with that. They hate you because of Jesus that's in you. You need to understand that. They're children of darkness. We're children of the light. And they don't like light. It's like when you turn on the light in New York City. They always say, you turn on the light in New York City, all the roaches and rats are going to just scramble away. And it's the truth. When I was a police officer and it was summer night in Harlem, whoa, whoa, let me tell you. And in order to clear the road, we just drive slowly and all of a sudden, they start walking away. <laughs> One time, we were chasing after a guy. and They said, hey. And then we finally caught him. And, and, and we said, why are you running? I don't know. Everybody was running. <laughs> I said, okay, you're free to go. <laughs> but that's how it is, you know? Darkness, evil, doesn't like light. And, and they're despisers of any, anything good. They hate things that are righteous, godly, and holy. And they'll do anything to stop it. The 15th characteristic is traitors. Uh, these were men, it's in plural. And what Paul is trying to point out is that these people once had been committed. They betrayed something that they were committed to. They were committed to. Like Israel, they betrayed against the prophets. They killed the prophets. Jesus was betrayed by what? By who? Judas, right? And he was left abandoned by all the other disciples. They, were, The disciples weren't traitors, just Judas, just to make that clear. They're they're traitors. Number 16, they're headstrong, meaning reckless, self-willed, and stubborn. They're stubborn. The 17th characteristic, they're haughty, is high-minded, thinking that they're better than others. And the last and final characteristic of a perilous man, number 18, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's who these false teachers are. That's who perilous men are. And with that said, that shouldn't be in a believer in Jesus Christ, any of these things. It shouldn't be. But Paul in the text, he's not talking about Christians. You know, if he's describing the wickedness of perilous men, we shouldn't be in that category. We should avoid these things. So they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. James chapter four, verse one, James write this. Where do wars and fight come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war is in its members, is within you? Because your desires are your pleasure. That's why there's a battle. And it's always a battle, a battle between, you know, the flesh, the world and saying, we have three enemies, always remember that. We have the world, we have Satan, and then we have the flesh. Don't commit a sin of your own and then say, the devil made me do it. No, because you're flesh. And that's what we need to be careful with, the flesh. Now, this does not mean when it comes to pleasure, it does not mean that we can't enjoy the pleasures of life because God had created a beautiful world for us to enjoy. And we could take pleasure in, in the things of nature, of the ocean, the trees, of flowers and, and, and food, relationship with, with, between a, a husband and wife and, and family. We take pleasure in those things. And we don't have to choose between God and the things God has given us because he's given it to us. As long as you don't make those things, place those things above God, but knowing that you enjoy it because it came from God and God gets the glory. And that's what it's, that's what it's all about. And, 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 and matter of fact, just honoring God with our lives is the ultimate pleasure. The Psalmist write this in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. He says, you will show me the way of life granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. We live with Christ now. He's in our hearts. And so that should be pleasure enough that God is in us, okay? Because the more you realize that you have this relationship with God and your pleasures is focused towards in God and it's in your heart, the things in the world doesn't matter. And if you don't have it, who cares? (laughs) I have Jesus, I have great pleasure in loving him and serving him forever. However, we do need to choose between the love of pleasure and the love of God. Living for God will give us many pleasures, but they only come when you love God first and refuse to love the pleasures themselves. If there's a pleasure that's above God, you need to do away with that. It's not only something that's secret or whatever. You just need to do away with it. Because God should be, the Lord should be your ultimate pleasure. Now, if you notice that the emphasis in these 18 characteristics, even though the word love is mentioned for a time. That is the emphasis, the word love, is that they love of themselves, they lovers of money, lovers of pleasures, and, and not lovers of God. And actually, if you look at these things reverse, you put God first, you won't have any problems with the rest. But he's speaking about perilous men. And so those are the 18 characteristics, and let's continue on with verse 5. Paul continues the warning, and he says, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now, the word form here in the Greek, it is the word "metaphorsis," right? It, the word form in the Greek is "metaphorsis," and that, that's where we get the English word metaphorses. Metaphorses, meta. Metaphoris, meta Metamorphosis, there you go. (laughs) That's what happens when I don't, look. not just kidding. You know me already. I have a problem pronouncing mommy. I don't know, just sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But here, it it means something that resembles, something that's like a facade, a shape, appearance, or like a silhouette. It's not the actual, but it's like an imitation. It's like a silhouette, and we see that. So they displayed our presence of, of a reverence for God. And again, they're just, they look holy, they act holy, they sound holy, they're religious. However, they deny its power. They deny its power. So false teachers, perilous men have no love for God, no love for the word, no love for people. They only love themselves. Now, he says here, having a form, a form of godliness, but deny its power. No, they never experienced the power of God in their lives. It's all religion without reality. And, and it's just like the Pharisees. It's just like the Pharisees. All religion, no experience. They don't know what it's like to be in, have the power of God. Listen, when we come to the cross, <laughs> when we come to the cross, there is something that happens that changes lives changes lives. It works from the inside. You know, quite often when we're sick, we want to, you know, we depend on medication, we depend on doctors, we depend on all kinds of health physically. But let me tell you something, that's all temporary. You know, you talk about people being healed, but there's no greater healing than the heart being changed, transformed to be in Christ Jesus. There's nothing more powerful, nothing better, nothing... Because everything else is just, it's going to fade away anyway, right? But it's the heart where Christ comes in and dwells in us. Now, look at the end of verse 5, and he says, this is very important. And from such people, turn away. Turn away. Stay away from these people. Flee from Keep away from perilous men who love themselves, who love money, but hate God, and who are proud, boasters, and despisers are good, traitors. Stay away. Stay away. Paul is just giving us all these indicators. If you see all these indicators start start popping up in a person and they claim to be a man, a a woman of God, you stay away. Stay away. It's a warning and it's a good warning. Let me tell you, the Bible is filled with warnings. The first warning the Lord told Adam and Eve in the beginning if you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. That's a warning. And throughout the scriptures, there are warnings. Paul is writing to Pastor Timothy, and he's writing to all pastors and leaders in the church of Jesus Christ. There are warnings. And he keeps on. The reason is because it's serious. You know, people are walking away from faith, or they're taught a different doctrine, a different, you know, things that are not biblical. So that's why they're there. Verse six, he says, For of this sort are those who creep into household and make captive of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. And this is what these false teachers do. I had a family member and, and she once told me that she started to go to a church and all of a sudden, the pastor by himself knew that the husband wasn't home, started visiting her. And that happens. That's why, you know, the leadership here, men, especially myself and Pastor John, we do not counsel women by themselves. Either their husbands are there or my wife is with me because this is what happens. You know, now I, I don't fit. <laughs> I'm not a perilous man or a false teacher, but I use wisdom and discernment. But obviously who wonder doesn't care is gonna do such a thing, and and in those days it was different. The women weren't treated like they are today. You have women's month. I'm waiting for men's month. <laughs> I wanna make my own. <laughs> That's just kidding. <laughs> you know, Paul's day women were especially susceptible to these kinds of experiences because they had a low status in society at that time. And these supposedly people who love themselves, exalt themselves to be a godly people, would take advantage of these women. And he says that these women are loaded down with sins laid away by various lusts. They're gullible. The status of society for women were there, were against them. They were dealing with sins. They needed help. And they did anything to find any kind of spiritual leader. And that's how it is because, you know, women are emotional. You know that. Women, why? Right? My wife is here, so if I say anything about women, I, I, my wife is here, so I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> I'll find out when I want to get home. <laughs> but, you know, they're emotional. And there's nothing wrong with emotional. You know, having emotion. God gave us with emotion. The problem is, there's a problem with emotionalism. When emotion overtakes your discernment. Because you're so emotional. And and you need to be careful. That's why the men are there. To help you. And I don't mean that in a funny way. But that's why for us men, we always facts and you just straight, you know, you know, we could watch a movie and we're not the one crying. Your wife is crying. Here's a tissue and you're crying. Okay. When's the action? You know, it's like, it's not a Hallmark. I do not watch Hallmark yeah. anyway, but the women, we need that because sometimes we're so rugged and we're not sensitive, right? You know that. Listen, I'm not telling you anything new. Okay. This started from the garden. Okay. After they took up the fruit that is. And so the point is, these women were being taken advantage. And also about these women, look at verse 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They learn everything. Oh, what, what book should I get? Oh, that's the book. Oh, that book will help me. The Bible, hello. But no, the book. Or I'm going to go to some council. I, I need a life coach. Where did that come from? <laughs> life coach? Well, I, I, even the name just doesn't make sense. Just to show you how far we got, life coach. Really? It's rainy today. Should I take an umbrella? It's like, come on, coaching life. If you've been to college, you have a job and kids. You don't need. You already got more than you need to know. Life coach. Anyway, so you know, women are gullible with these things, and they know that, so they take advantage. They're always learning something, but what? They're not knowing the knowledge of the truth, the Jesus Christ who is the truth, and the gospel. You see, that's why it's dangerous. Verse 8 says, now Janus and Jambres resisted Moses. Let's stop here. Who is Janus and Jamborees? They're not mentioned in the Bible at all. However, they understood in Jewish tradition. So it's based on Jewish tradition, and Janus and Jambres were one of the chief magicians of Pharaoh. So this traveled all the way down from Exodus, the book of Exodus. Remember when Moses, you know, had his rod and, and God said, you'll use his rod and would do so many things and all these miracles and these plagues. And, and, you know, for example, I know you read your Bible, but let's say the Moses, right, with um, Charleston Heston, right? He drops his, his staff before Pharaoh and it turned to snakes, right? And all of a sudden, Pharaoh and his men dropped two staffs now i don't know if it's two staffs because pharaoh calls in not only his magician his wise man his sorcerers so it could be six nonetheless it doesn't really matter but he dropped his rod and it turned into a snake and then his magicians dropped their rods and it turned a snake but what happened moses rod the snake swallowed up all the other snakes to show the power of God. So it is believed that Janus and Jambres were one of these two magicians that were under Pharaoh. And what is Paul trying to say here? What he's trying to say here that they, they actually with their magic. It was an imitation of the power of God. And because it's an imitation it's not stronger than the real thing. That's why it didn't work. So their magic tricked Pharaoh. It tricked Pharaoh. So he goes on to say in verse 8, hold that thought. He says, Now as James, Janice, and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these, these perilous men, so do these resist the of corrupt minds, disapprove concerning the faith. You see? Satan can imitate anything. He's a counterfeit. He's a counterfeit. And he's out there to deceive. But here's the good news of all this. At verse 9, he says, But they, speaking of these false teachers of perilous men, will progress no further, for their folly will be manifested to all, as their, speaking of Janus and Jambers, also was. Their characteristics, their character, their empty religion, these false teachers will ultimately be exposed. And finally, they will be judged before God. They will be judged. The time is coming. Understand this, the warnings in the Bible, and I know we've been going through a lot of warnings because Paul is writing this to the churches. That's because we need to take this seriously. They're important. Satan, he's out there to deceive. He's a counterfeit. He's out there to deceive you me, and every believer in Jesus Christ. He already has those in the world. You see, those that are in the world, he already has them. He's after you. And he may send a perilous man, he may send a false prophet your way. That's why you need to study, show yourself approved. Remember, vessel of honor, right? Satan... The Bible tells us could even disguise himself as an angel of light. That's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. It says, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. That's what he did in the garden. He transformed himself to a beautiful serpent. I'm pretty sure if he didn't use a serpent, we would use serpents as pets. I said, I'm going to go walk my snake. We wouldn't have a problem, right? Because we would love sna- We would love snake. It wouldn't be a problem. we will be so eerie but he went through a beautiful creature and that's what he'll transform. It's saying, understand this, he's the great deceiver. He's the great deceiver. And he'll do whatever he can to deceive every believer in Jesus Christ. Many false prophets, many false teachers are in the last days have a counterfeit faith. Their faith is counterfeit. It's another Jesus. It's another Jesus we need to understand. When people talk about Jesus, you need to understand what Jesus that they're talking about. And that's important. We watch a lot of movies, a lot of programs. And they talk about Jesus. What Jesus were they talking about? There's a lot of Jesus out there. But he's out there and all he does is to promote his lies and, and to resist the truth of the word of God. Amen. I'm
2: the race.
0: You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. We've been looking at some useful and practical advice from the Apostle Paul that he wrote to Timothy. This book jumps into what it looks like to be a leader in the church. Paul doesn't shy away from encouraging those who are young to run with zeal and not grow discouraged. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in spirit, in faith, in purity. If you're facing opposition because of your age, be reminded that Timothy faced similar struggles and God used him mightily, just like he can use you too. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you.
2: We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com.
0: Thanks, Jessica. On our website, we also have some helpful resources to assist you in what you're learning or how you're studying the Bible. Just click on the Study Helps tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we look forward to the next edition in the book of 1 Timothy on Running the Race.